Good morning. Oh, we're not having a video. No, that's why we waited for you to get on. Try to keep up. Yes, let's not talk about your restroom habits on video. Speak truth. That was pretty truthful. Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mark chapter 12. Speaking truth and personifying love, love for God and love for each other, it seems like a couple of things that don't necessarily coexist. Speaking truth is thought to be offensive, abrupt and insensitive, like, honey, does this dress make my butt look big? <laughs> you get the point. You might want to consider carefully before you blurt out what you really think there, or you don't necessarily have to lie, but extreme tact might be in order, like, oh, is that Brad Pitt just went by in a Speedo? And then duck out real quick, you know. These are helpful tips I'm giving you here. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we need to be people who speak truth and love, and because of love, and that's what Jesus did, and that's what we see happening in our scripture today. Find Mark chapter 12 for the sake of brevity, and because Rob jumped ahead last week and touched on some of this, we're going to start in the middle of a discussion that Jesus is having with some Sadducees on the nature of marriage after the resurrection. So starting in Mark 12, chapter, chap, Mark chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus answered and said to them, in answer to their question about this woman who had multiple husbands, whose husband is she going to have in the resurrection? Are you not therefore mistaken because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God? Verse 25, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Jesus just told them in no uncertain terms that their version of the truth is wrong. Now telling someone they're greatly mistaken might not sound all that loving, but letting them continue in their misconceptions is not loving either. Because their version of the truth is very destructive. These lies that they were buying and selling the Sadducees that they believed that there was no resurrection. He just took a long dirt nap in the end. So he destroys their lives with truth, the truth of who God is and our place in eternity with him. So he's now shot down the Sadducees. He had previously shot down the Pharisees in the previous couple uh, discussions he had there in the temple on the question of paying taxes. And so now here comes the scribes. It's their turn to question Jesus. Pick it up in verse 28. Then when the scribes came and having heard him reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbors oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Then Jesus, answered, Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David. For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. We'll stop there. So our title verse 
is a quote from a scribe who's commending Jesus for his answer, his wise answer to what is the greatest commandment. Seems a bit ironic, doesn't it, that a scribe would be commending Jesus for accurately answering as to a question concerning the word when Jesus is the word. Jesus could do no other than speak the truth. Too bad we can't say that about the rest of us. When I was growing up, a common expression was, honesty is always the best policy. And I wholeheartedly believe that. I've been chided all my life for being too honest, at least in expressing my opinions by everyone from pastors and bosses and, and my wife. And I actually take that as a compliment most of the time. Because I firmly believe that truth must be spoken. There is seldom, if ever, a time that it's right to lie. Yes, there is a time to remain silent rather than speak truth. And that's where I sometimes struggle. But even in the long run, the truth, I believe, is still the right course. Or was. Was and is. But be that as it may, I still have the ability and I have at times caught myself speaking untruths. Usually to avoid trouble. In other words, for selfish reasons. And that's where we all struggle. And sadly, I have seen just in my lifetime a major shift as to the acceptance of lying. If it serves to advance one position or own agenda. Honesty is no longer the best policy. In fact, you probably can't even find it in the current policy manuals. It just seems everyone is allowed to create their own truths. And they're even allowed to change it from day to day. Okay, what's the truth going to be tomorrow? Not sure. It's hard to keep track. And we're all just supposed to go along with this. Well said, teacher. You have spoken truth. The scribe said to Jesus. Jesus didn't speak a truth. He spoke the truth, and he continues to do so if we'll listen. The saying by the scribe about loving God and loving people being more important than sacrifice is, of course, a reference to the words spoken by the prophet Samuel to the lion king Saul, that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to what? God's word, God's truth. As the Lord has created the light and burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. You can't handle the truth. Says who? Truth is a commodity that seems to have fallen out of favor, causing it to become quite scarce. But like many things that are hard to find, it's still worth finding to many people and the scarcity of truth just makes it more valuable, like a precious jewel. I want the truth. I read somewhere a while ago that some of the diamond mines, particularly in Africa, are so rich and produce so many diamonds that the people who control those mines intentionally sit on the diamonds, not making them available to the general public so that they won't glut the market and bring the value down. So they put out just enough to keep them keep them incredibly valuable. I mean, if the market's suddenly gutted with diamonds, or glutted with diamonds, they would be a lot more available, and thus they wouldn't be as valuable. They'd be more affordable. Well, so it is with truth. It's still going to be valuable, but it'll be affordable. It'll be accessible to more people to... But the more it's held back from those who desire it, the harder it is to acquire, even at great risk, the more it's sought after, and the more people are willing to give for it. Diamond miners are thoroughly searched at the end of their shifts and even x-rayed every day when they go home, before they go home, to make sure they're not smuggling any diamonds on them or in them. Because no doubt just a diamond or two could change change the life of many of these miners. It would be the difference between a starving family and one that's fed. Maybe pay for life-saving medical care, basic sustenance and shelter. It's estimated that about a million diamond miners in Africa make less than a dollar a day. Can you imagine trying to live on a dollar a day? So no doubt there are many horror stories of people who are risked and given everything in an attempt just to get one of those tiny little specks of rocks being caught and punished severely for attempting to acquire a tiny speck of spiny, spiny, shiny, speck of spiny, speck of shiny. Sure glad I put in a tongue twister there. That they actually scoop out of the ground by the bucketfuls. 
just to lock away in a place where no one can get access to them so that they can remain extremely wealthy. Now, I'm not on a crusade to write the injustices of the diamond trade. I'm just using that as an example. Truth is rare, but it doesn't have to be. There's enough of it to go around. And those who are hoarding it or keeping it locked away and hidden are doing a major disservice and harming many just to benefit a few. So what is the truth that I'm referring to that is being held back? The truth that is so abundant yet hidden away and guarded by those who don't want it to get out. And it causes fear in the many who carry it that they might get caught with it. I'm not talking about did Epstein really kill himself? Was the election really rigged? Do face masks really do any good against COVID? Does the vaccine really turn you into a 5G cell receptor for Bill Gates? Yeah, those would certainly be some valuable truths to know. But at this point, I don't think we're ever going to really know the truth because we don't know where to turn anymore. There's so many voices coming from so many sides, and they're all adamant that they're right. So the best we can do is pick the truth that we believe, that we hope is right, and, and go with it. And it's sad because the truth of all these things and many more questions that we all debate vigorously and adamantly are important. But we live in a fallen world where everyone seems to help have a selfish agenda of some sort and where too many think the only way they can be somebody is by destroying others through twisting, twisting or manufacturing truths to serve their own purpose. And really, in the long run, none of those truths or lie are going to matter. At least not until we have to answer for them when we're standing before the, the judgment throne on that final day. And the truth that will render us an innocent verdict on that day is the only truth that's going to matter in the end. And that's the truth that we have available to us. It's a truth that we must not hoard or allow to be locked away because it is needed today by everyone, not just and not just some of the truth, but all of the truth. And that's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The scribe quizzing Jesus on that day had some of the truth, but he was missing some key elements. Do you remember what Jesus said to that scribe who commended him and was in agreement with his truthful answer? Now when Jesus saw that he had wisely answered wisely, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're this close, but you're not quite there. But after that, no one dared question him. You're not far from the kingdom of God. The truth will get you there. But you need the rest of the story. But they, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the priests who had been grilling Jesus up till now, were afraid to ask any more questions. They didn't want to discover what the rest of the truth was because they were afraid it would upset their little selfish empires and reveal their true motives. They had the power and the lock on truth, and in their minds, they're the only ones who could dole it out. And they profited greatly from this in power, position, and wealth. But they were still poor in spirit because they ignored and even censored truth. The ultimate censoring of truth would be crucifying Jesus. But in the end, that would only confirm it and set it free on the world. And the subsequent and ongoing martyrdom of those who speak truth only serves to confirm and propagate that as well. The truth of God's word cannot be stopped. And the harder you try, the more powerful it becomes. Jesus was the keeper of truth. He was and is the truth. And he has entrusted us with it. We as believers are keepers of the truth that destroys lies and reveals the motives of the heart. That destroys darkness and is re best revealed by laying aside selfish ambition and building others up instead of destroying people. It's a truth that's rich and powerful the truth after rich and powerful, the famous and the behind-the-scenes string pullers can't stand or fully silence. The truth I'm talking about is a revelation of who our God is and how we get to know and be reconciled to him. The truth that is available in an unlimited supply that is more valuable than all the diamonds of the world put together. The only truth that we can know that we know and have an unchanging, unyielding, and never-failing source of is the truth of God's love for us, his amazing grace, mercy, and power is the only God, the only Savior, and the only way to life everlasting. 
And all of it is revealed in its fullest and made available by Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, and by his word. The truth that was confirmed on Resurrection Day and then set free on the world of Pentecost. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, Jesus told his disciples just before he was crucified. Because it neither sees him or knows him, the world can't receive this spirit of truth. But you know him, for he dwells with you, here I am, and will be in you. He's coming. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. What an incredible promise. We who have believed and been set free by the truth have the truth living in us. All we need to do is speak it. Speak truth. We are not orphans. We are not alone. He has come to us. The world doesn't know him, but they need to. And that's where we come in. And it starts by obeying the greatest commandment. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love the Lord your you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. That's what all the law pointed to. If we're not loving our God with everything in us and loving others as well, no one's going to hear the words we speak. And we'll not hear the words that we need to speak to others anyways. The truth of the one true God, the love that is, is his very essence, the same love that he gives and empowers in us to acknowledge him, this is a truth that the enemy has worked diligently for eons now to destroy and or hide. And he's still trying to this day, but he can't because that truth abides in us and us in it. And as long as there are people on this earth who seek truth, God will continue to reveal it. And through those who are brave enough to carry it. And to all who speak truth, he will give the crown of life. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. Then you'll have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and that will give you the crown of life. Yeah, you're going to have some hard times here. Keep speaking truth. You're going to end up in prison. You're going to be put to death. Don't let it stop you. you got a crown of life waiting for you. Truth's not going to make you popular. It's not going to make you rich. In fact, it might land you in trouble. But in the long run, truth is always rewarded. Those who are afraid, those who are faithful to the truth, will have their day. And those who are hungry for truth, those who are tired of being lied to and manipulated, the real people, the honest, honest people with real feelings and questions with ears to hear and hearts to learn, they're going to hear the truth of Jesus Christ gladly. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. I love that line. This whole section of scripture is about Jesus revealing and defending truth. The truth that is centered around the nature of God, the nature of Jesus. Truth which the common people heard gladly. It was only the learned, those who thought they had it all figured out. Well, who are you to tell us anything? We have the lock on truth. But they couldn't stand the truth that Jesus was bringing. And I see a dire warning here against theological arrogance. I think I'll just keep walking humbly and not pretend to have God all figured out, to keep my ears and heart open for further revelations of his nature, to be teachable and obedient to his word and his spirit. I heard someone say once, if we have a God who is small enough to understand, we have a God who is too small. It's the common people who have accepted Jesus by faith who will be standing closest to the throne when the great hallelujah chorus rises before our God from the lips of the redeemed, from those who willingly bowed the knee 
and confess that Jesus is Lord. Even as King David did in his prophetic proclamation long before the Messiah even came. His proclamation that the Messiah would not only be his descendant, but that he would be so much more, he would also be capital L Lord. The coming son of David would rule not just an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. At the very right hand of God the Father. And this was a prophecy that was about to be fulfilled by the crucifixion and the resurrection as our greatest enemy, death, was placed under Jesus' feet, being a symbol of total defeat. Seizing his enemies as a footstool. You don't get much more victorious than that. And in doing this, he took away Satan's only real weapon, the truth of our sinfulness and the wages that we deserve because of that. And he replaced that truth with grace. The truth that the enemy has been trying to destroy and deny since the day Jesus walked out of the tomb and proved his claims that he is the Lord, that he is God, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The truth that all the rest of God's word points to and the key thing that the religious elite, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes missed. Now all the enemy has left is lies. You probably notice he's really good at that. Anybody pick up on something here? I keep reminding you as we read through the scriptures to watch for the flow of thought. The Bible is a narrative, a letter from God to us written by people who think like we do and write and talk like we do. It's just not a collection of random sayings and, and thoughts. And Mark is no exception. He dutifully records Jesus' actions and their actions, one thing leading to another. Why did he say this? Why did he say this? Why did he say this? Because he's answering what he said earlier. So Jesus' explanation of who he is here is not just some random thought that Mark decided to throw in here at this point. It's the, it's the answer to the scribe to Jesus' own statement and reply to him, well, te well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, there is none other but he. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. As I told you earlier, Jesus' answer here would indicate that the scribe was on to the truth. <laughs> Hi, Rick. figured out that Rick must be tied into our computer through the Microsoft account, so we ended up with his screensaver on our computer. So Jesus' answer is here as to, you're not far from the kingdom, is, would make us have to think, well, what, what, what did he miss? What does he need to do to get across that line? And why would Jesus not tell him how to get there? How does he get to the kingdom? He's this close. But he did tell him, if we pay attention, in the very next verses, the ones we just look at. And Jesus answered and said, well, he taught in the temple. And he actually answers the question using the scribes' own teachings. How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. David calls him Lord. How was he then his son? So I love how Jesus effortlessly turns the tables here on the scribes who think that they, as the experts of the law, are giving Jesus a compliment from a place of expertise and learning. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good answer for some low-life teacher from Nazareth. And Jesus says, yeah, you guys are doing pretty good too, but you're not quite there. You've got to understand that one truth that will make you citizens of the kingdom and not just religious know-it-alls. So he gets, then goes on to tell him, and all who are listening, using their own teaches, teachings, what they're missing. He spoke truth to them, that he is Lord. And that is the understanding and confession that will get you over that line into the kingdom. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. And all who put their faith and trust in that truth will always be among the living. Concerning the dead, that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage? Oh, ye uh, 
all wise scribes, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Now, this was the answer to the Sadducees, sorry. And the God of Jacob, he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Therefore, you're greatly mistaken. There's no past tense in eternity. We serve an eternal God who created us as eternal beings. That death thing we brought on ourselves. But he offers us the truth that overcomes that death, restoring our eternal nature, and thus we'll never be past tense either. Remember what God told Moses his name was from the burning bush so long ago? I am that I am. Yahweh in Hebrew, it's not, I was, but no, I'm not, or I will be someday. Simply, I am. Yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus claimed that eternal nature in the name of God for himself. When he decided, when he declared to those who argue with him in the Gospel of John, when they were getting on him about him claiming to have known Abraham, like, how can you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. Jesus says, I didn't put it up here. Before Abraham was, I am. That doesn't make sense. Does he if he remembers God's name? And that there is no past tense for those who die in him. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm there before Abraham. I'm there with Abraham. I'm with here, here with you now. I guess I'm God. I'm eternal. That's when they decided to pick up some rocks and stone him to death, but he got away because he's God. So Jesus is arguing here with those who have denied the resurrection of the dead that there must surely be a resurrection from the dead. You scribes say there's no resurrection. Well, then why does, why does God say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I am. I, I was. Because death is not final for those whose hope is in the Lord. They were not bound by time. In fact, they're alive and eternal with the great I am. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Jacob. And I am the God of Isaac. There's no past tense for those who die in Christ. Lord would tell us, I am the God of Charlie Hall. I am the God of Chuck Robbins. I am the God of Wanda Ann's. I am the God of that child he never got to hold or held all too briefly. I am the God of that father or mother you say goodbye to. I am the God of the living and not of the dead, and that's the truth. And that is the hope that the world needs and is desperate to hear. It's that lack of truth and that lack of hope that has the world living in fear and turmoil and has allowed the enemy to wreak havoc on society and our lives, on our hearts and our churches. Jesus only spoke truth, difficult truth at times, but truth that prepares and strengthens and assures us that we're going to get through whatever we're in or whatever's coming up. In the world, you will have trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Anyone who loves this life more than me is not worthy of me. But to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3.16, of course. And that's the truth we need to remind ourselves of and the truth that the world needs to hear from us. They need to see it in the way we live and the way we react, the way we stand up for what's right and shine a light on what's wrong. They need to hear the truth in the way we love. Boldly, fearlessly, and unfailingly. Love God and love your neighbor above all else. And then the people will listen when you speak truth. We need to speak as Jesus did. We need to speak truth, speak in love, speak boldly. And then the common people will hear us and the powerful will fear us. We, none of us, fully understands or appreciates the power of the weapons that we have to affect change.
to effect good, to right wrongs, to expose the lies that kill and destroy. None of us fully understands the power we have at our disposal if we'll simply speak truth fearlessly, boldly, and in love, and in season. As the Spirit brings to our remembrance, we have to know it before we can remind us of it, all that he has taught us. It's another promise he gave his apostles just before he left. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll remind you of everything I've taught you. But then he gives us the words to speak. When you're brought up before the magistrates and the governors, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say. The Spirit will give you the words in that hour. So we need to read his words. We need to know his heart. Heed the voice of the Spirit and walk humbly with our God. Because we are a nation of kings and priests to our God and we cannot be silenced. And we shall reign on this earth for and with our king. Revelations 5, 9 and 10. Redeemed us to God by your blood, and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. What is a priest? Someone who serves and speaks for God. What is a king? Some who rules, a good king is someone who rules on behalf of God. That's a big responsibility. It's not something we wait for. It's something we're supposed to be doing today. Amen. Let's worship. Always true, you are alive. 
is true. Here's my life. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Speak what is true, yeah. Speak what is true.
arrived. Long overdue around here, but right with the vengeance, so the few and the, I say brave, maybe crazy, <laughs> of us who made it um, are grateful to have that opportunity and that privilege, and we uh, are grateful for the technology that we can share the message. Hopefully everything worked this morning. Trying my iPad instead of my iPhone because I think that might have been the problem with the sound. And uh, it's like we coordinated our songs. Was that speak truth? Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same. That's like <laughs> literally the name of my sermon. But it's just a God thing. You know, it's easy to get discouraged speaking of technology, when, when it seems like the whole world is conspiring against the truth. By the truth, I mean the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for our sins so that we could live forever. And if you're watching this on Facebook and you haven't 
ask Jesus into your heart, ask for forgiveness so they could live in your heart. That's all you got to do. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you, God raised you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me from my sin, for my sins. Come into my heart. Dwell in me through your spirit of truth, through the Holy Spirit, and uh, be born again so I can be present tense forever. There is no past tense in the kingdom of God. And I don't fret a whole lot about, I did for a while when I first realized I was being messed with by big tech. I don't want to get too specific because we're using it as we speak. And now it seems like we have an administration that isn't necessarily friendly. We have a culture, honestly, that isn't friendly to free speech, at least not speech they don't agree with, and it seems that part of that speech is, is the gospel. But that's nothing new. It just seems a little more sophisticated these days. Caesar didn't have the World Wide Web. He had the amphitheater. We all know what happened there, the Colosseum. The enemy's always gone after truth. And what has it done? It's only made it more valuable. It's only made it more sought after. It's only made it more relevant, more powerful. And so let's look at this as an opportunity, not despair. Ultimately, it's, it's in God's hand. I despair as an American who grew up with the right, along with everyone else in this country, to speak freely whatever stupid thing came to your mind, whatever good thing came to your mind, there was two sides of that coin. We had to put up with the stupidity to be allowed to speak the good stuff. But the treasure was that we got to speak. And so as an American, it, it grieves me deeply to see that that right might be taken away. But really, that's also a God-given right. And I don't think he's going to let it be taken away all that easily because that's what allows us to freely speak and be a light to the world and perhaps because we haven't been doing that like we should is why it's now being threatened right. and why he's allowing this to happen it's not that he wants it to happen it's that we stop holding up our end of the bargain so we just need to commit to speaking truth seeking truth and praying truth Releasing the truth. Releasing the spirit of truth unto the world. And it can happen in a more powerful way than it's ever happened before because of the darkness that's descending. The light is going to be so glorious and so much brighter that everyone's going to see it. The light never shines brighter than when it's flipped on in the dark. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together here. We thank you for the opportunity to share through the different media that we take advantage of, through through the social media, through the blogs, through the internet, through the websites, and, uh, through books. We just ask, Lord, that not just us, but everywhere people are speaking truth, that you will give them opportunity and give them platforms to continue to speak. And... Uh, and it may take courage, it may take diligence, even just to, to speak truth where you work, to speak truth in your own home, to speak truth amongst your friends, the public square and your streets. Give us courage, Lord. Sometimes it's easier to speak before a crowd than it is to speak one person face to face. Give us the words, bring to our remembrance the thing that you said, and give us the truth to speak, even in our own words. Everyone who wrote in the scriptures spoke in their own words, the words, the ideas, and the truths that you gave them. It's not just memorizing and parroting scripture, it's speaking the truths of scripture and using your word as the ultimate yardstick as an ultimate benchmark to make sure that we are speaking truth.
bless this nation, heal this land, pour out your spirit, come into the hearts of those who are sleeping, seeking. Jesus is knocking on your door. Let me come in. Just open up that door and he will. He loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Yesterday, today, and forever. His love is true. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Drive safe. Have a blessed week.